Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. Hey, welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men, and this is podcast number 287, hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas, so grab a globe, spin it around, boom! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas, southeast side of Texas is Houston, the southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and that's where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And that's why we're here, because we're having a Christian discussion for men. And like, well, all others that I know of, we aren't taking any church answers. And we're glad that you found and joined us. You know, this show has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny. So uh, we, we've got over 287 examples of it. So go ahead and feel free to check it out. So our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and NoChurchAnswers.com. So please rate it and leave a review. And of course, without your support, prayers, and encouragement, and of course, money, this would not be possible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. At this time, I'm going to jump right in and introduce our panel. He is a former world-class policy writer. He is a current professional gambler. He's also the producer of the show, Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, Steve. All right. And he is a former prosecutor. He's an attorney kind of the group historian we call him the judge is michael cropper hey mike hey guys (laughs) and he is a corporate trainer kind of the group theologian we call him the professor because he's an industrial strength teacher (laughs) it's robert koshu hey robert Robert. (laughs) <laughs> and my name's Bill Cox. I am I'm basically a salesman. I'm employed, hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, somebody took a chance on me. And uh, I am in the death care uh industry and I'll tell you what, that's totally different from what I ever expected. So anyway, uh we're going to go ahead and jump right in and I'm going to Mr. Steve Titch. Oh, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, well, a a blessed Holy Week to our listeners and a happy Easter coming up. Uh, we're, we're, this is dropping during Holy Week Tuesday. So if you're listening to this during Holy Week, we've got, we've got, uh, well, we've got that topic on our minds. Um, and I'm going to start because, because you'll, you'll, you'll get to what we, to understand what we're doing with, with this reading. I'm going to read a section out of uh, The Cross of Christ by John Stott just to, just to set the mood. Imagine a stranger visiting St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Having brought up, having been brought up in a non-Christian culture, he knows next to nothing about Christianity, yet he is more than a tourist. He is personally interested and keen to learn. 
Walking along Fleet Street, he is impressed by the grandeur of the building's proportions and marvels that Sir Christopher Wren could have conceived such an edifice after the Great Fire of London in 1666. His eyes attempt to take it in. He cannot help noticing the huge golden cross that dominates the dome. He enters the cathedral and stands at its central point under the dome. Trying to grasp the size and shape of the building, he becomes aware that its ground plan, consisting of a nave and a transepts, is cruciform. He walks round and observes that each side of the chapel contains what looks to him like a table, on which, prominently displayed, there stands a cross. He decides to remain for the service, which is about to begin. The man beside him is wearing a little cross on his lapel, while the lady on his other side has one on her necklace. His eye now rests on a colorful stained glass east window. Though he cannot make out the details from where he is sitting, he cannot fail to notice that it contains a cross. From what follows, he comes to realize that he is witnessing a holy communion service, and that this focuses upon the death of Jesus. For when the people around him go forward to the communion rail to receive the bread and wine, the minister speaks to them of the body and blood of Christ. The service ends with another hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Although the congregation now disperses, a family stays behind. They have brought their child to be baptized. Joining them at the font, the visitor sees the minister first pour water over the child and then trace a cross on its forehead, saying, I sign you with the cross to show that you must not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. The stranger leaves the cathedral impressed but puzzled. The repeated instance by word and symbol on the centrality of the cross has been striking. Yet questions have arisen in his mind. Some of the language used seems exaggerated. Do Christians really, for the sake of the cross, count the world but loss and boast in it alone and sacrifice everything for it? Can the Christian faith be accurately summed up as the faith of Christ crucified? What are the grounds, he asks himself, for this concentration on the cross of Christ? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Michael Cropper. Yeah, that was good to say. That was great. Gotta... <laughs> I'm sitting here writing while y'all are going on and paying attention to where I was. All right. Uh, folks, there are two absolutes in life. Every man must pay taxes and every man must die. We've all accepted these, these uh, very well-known facts. My mother used to tell me that everyone has the opportunity to succeed in life. And I would narrow that statement and say that most people in America and Europe have the opportunity to succeed in life. Many other people in the world live in poverty and do not have the opportunity to work at a gainful employment. In fact, some children do not get to grow up because they either starve to death or they've come ill at a very early age. To many of these people who are just trying to survive and find enough food to eat each day, a message on Jesus' death on the cross for their sin would be foolishness. But if they are given food to eat and, and a hope for a better life, they might consider the cross as wisdom 
and they may seek to know more about Jesus Christ. Many people do not believe that a God exists, one who formed the universe and he molded our planet for Adam and Eve uh, to his favorite creations. The idea that we descended from Adam and Eve is just a fairy tale to them, and they laugh off the thought. In fact, God made all of man in his image, and he gave us a will to choose life or death. Many of us have prospered because God provided us with business acumen or savvy uh, for gambling, too, as a matter of fact. Or <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and we have inherited wealth from our ancestors. Uh, if we didn't have it, we have inherited uh, wealth from our ancestors who have this ability to earn and accumulate money and property. So this genre of people also find the idea of a saver uh, for prosperous or ludicrous. So the immaculate conception is absolute foolishness to our men of knowledge, many who are scientists, maybe astronomers, maybe astrologers. The birth of a, a god, little g, who would become a sacrifice to appease a greater God, his father, for all man's sin, is illogical and difficult to understand, much less to believe. But the immaculate birth of God's son to a human being and his life being uh, to free sin, the disease to which he is sent to cure, is a fantasy above all human logic and understanding. Yet, this is our hope and faith. Our God that loved us so much, he gave the opportunity to live and honor him. He also gave us the freedom to choose to worship a different God other than himself, if we so choose. As we approach Easter, our holiday when we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we do address two topics of significant importance, Jesus and one of those is Jesus' death on the cross, and the other is resurrection, obviously. These are two gifts he freely gave for our salvation. And then finally, in the text Bill will be reading, we will address the foolishness of the cross and the wisdom of God. Bill? Uh, excellent. Uh, professor? So I'm going to cue you guys up. I'm going to start with a traditional Easter greeting. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Very nice. So that, that is the great proclamation of the Christian faith. That Christ came and Christ rose so that we can all have eternal life. Most Protestant religions like to skip over um, Good Friday, though. Uh, the Catholics... They tend to depict a lot of their cruciforms will have Jesus on the cross. If you're in a lot of their architecture and their buildings, they'll have Jesus on the cross. Protestants leave the cross empty with the statement that, well, he's not there anymore. He rose. The two intersect. And the cross, if you think about a cross, think about it as a crossroads. The cross represents a crossroads in human history. It is a divine moment that began with the immaculate conception and birth of Jesus Christ that intersects history at the cross and is validated on Easter Sunday. Without the cross, 
we don't get Easter. And it forms a story and a history. And yet, as Mike mentioned, and as Bill's statement is going to read here in a moment, the cross and the celebration of it is considered foolishness. And to early Christians that wore it as a symbol of pride, it was really an item of interest because they, the cross for that world, represented the way of execution for the lowliest of low criminals. The Romans would use it as a, as a statement, you know, oh, the Jews did something, go crucify 500 people, <laughs> just to make a statement with it. Jesus' death and resurrection changed all that because it does, it represents the moment where God intersected human history in the most fundamental way. Bill? Oh, very nice, Professor. And, you know, the only thing that I would want to add before I read the scripture is this. Uh, it, if it wasn't for the cross, I wouldn't even care about Christmas or the birth. <laughs> just, I mean, just my own personal opinion. Anyway, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And I know we're coming up uh, on a break, and I just want to say what the cross basically means to me. And I think everybody, certainly Christians, you can identify a moment in your life a cross moment. And I can tell you, to, to me, the cross means grow up. That is uh, those moments where I needed faith. And, you know, and you talk about the intelligence and the intelligence will be made foolish. Well, actually, it's your interpretation of, of that intelligence. You know, you put all your uh, eggs in one basket to be intelligent, but is it going to save you? absolutely not and then and that's just like anything else too there's going to come a moment there's going to come that cross moment where you got to take life the very essence of life itself seriously and with that i'm going to go ahead and we're up against our first break this is no church answers we'll be right back hi i'm bill cox director of man up spiritual oasis for men we hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. 
For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. This is uh, podcast number 287, hard to believe. And uh, we are we are talking about the cross. This is the reason for this season, this particular podcast drop uh, during Holy Week. Uh, go back to, uh, let's get, bring Mr. Steve Titch, the producer, back in. Yeah, well, that the, the way you say that coming to the cross means growing up, um, I think really anybody who is looking for a, a true walk with God ultimately has to confront the cross. This is this is something I, I I've probably known this all along, but it really crystallized for me as I was actually preparing for this podcast. And really, almost up to this weekend, I would have said, "Well, if 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 someone said, you know, like, well, I got my religion, you got your religion," I would say, "Well, I believe simply because this is this is what I choose to believe as the path to salvation." I am. I am ready to say at this point that the cross is the only way to salvation simply because how, how it's set up. If, if you are looking for a oneness with God, for a relationship with God, if you are earnestly doing that sooner or later, you have to confront your imperfect humanity against God's perfect essence, whatever you want to call it. And, you have there there is no way you can stand before god as you are there's no way for you to fix it whether be simply because you are a flawed human being you are and and you, you are sinful you 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 screw up you can't possibly stand before god without some sort of assistance that you cannot provide yourself and i actually i shouldn't even call it assistance it's essentially a a the the work of the cross the the not only the forgiveness of your sins but bearing that penalty as well um you've get it you're kind of getting both divine love and a divine justice at the same time at the cross which is why it's so important and it, and not it, it's interesting growing up catholic we were like taught to see the crucifixion as something horrible now it is horrible in and of itself the 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 the, the penalty the the carrying out the 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 details of it but the crucifixion was for us and that's what makes that's what puts the good in good friday and so i, I go go closing getting getting back to this yeah it's your wake up moment you have to if you're going to come to god you have to some way confront your your sinfulness and if 
and this might this is the only way I see it, that it can be dealt with. Michael uh, Michael Cropper. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking here, and 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 I keep this this goes through my mind over and over. Um, God's foolishness is smarter than man's wisdom, <laughs> and His weakness is stronger than man's uh, um, strength and power, no matter what they have. So, what is foolishness? I, and, and just a couple things here. I like to throw out uh, definitions. Y'all know that. Uh, foolishness is a lack of good sense of judgment or the quality of being unwise, stupidity, or not showing good judgment. Wisdom is ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. And, and, and again, here, we, we're looking at the scripture. The scripture says that man's wisdom is foolishness. I mean, it's absolute idiocy according to, to God's plan. And so why, how did he put this in proportion? Well, the the concept of offering a sacrifice to God uh, was well known throughout the Old Testament. Noah offered sacrifices to God when he came out of the ark, Genesis 8, 20. Job offered sacrifices to his children in case they sinned. That's Job 1 and verse 5. Then God established a covenant for Israel with Moses, and he gave great detail in Leviticus how Moses was enacted. It required a spotless sacrifice for forgiveness of sin, Leviticus 4, 34 and 35, and Leviticus 5, 10. The apostle Paul explained that the shedding of blood was required for God to forgive sin, Hebrews 9 and 22. Now, one day there is a hint through the Old Testament, God says there will be a sacrifice that will take care of all this. It's inferred, and the sacrifice will be perfect. Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 53, about a great, great um, pain and, and great horror that will go upon a, a prophet or man sent from God. And, and Jesus would have to be the perfect sacrifice. This is what is foolishness to man. Jesus would be the, the, the sacrifice that would do away with all our sin, and we would no longer have to offer animal sacrifices. The Jewish people quit doing this sometime after Christ about the destruction of the temple, 70 AD. But, but God chose, and this is why we call this foolishness, he chose to cover our sins and do away with our shame and forgive us through his own son. And this is why it's foolishness, because there is no logic in man. There is nothing with philosophers, scientists, and then any other person you may think to be highly intelligent that can believe that there would be a God who would actually send his son as a sacrifice to appease him. Gods usually were known in, in Roman times and in the, uh, the Greek times, gods were known to, to, re, to request sacrifices, but he, they were mean to people and they were mean to their, their people <laughs> under them. So the, the fact that, that God would send his own son so we did not have to sacrifice any of our people, he would send the perfect sacrifice for our sin and remove our shame and guilt because of the uh, the disobedience of Adam and Eve is just 
against all logic and all wisdom to any man that lives on earth who does not believe God and, and the sacrifice in faith. Bill? Um, excellent, uh, Professor. So it, it's really coming down to, when you think about it, and, and this is something, Bill, when he made the reading, has human beings the cross is food because it's foolish for us to accept three things about the cross. Number one, that God himself would give up everything that it meant to be God to become a lonely, I'm going to say this one time, homeless human being, which is what Jesus was. Let's be real and quite calm about this, but Jesus was a homeless, wandering, itinerant preacher. You know, he's wandering around Galilee and the Holy Land area that we think about as Israel today. And he's basically, he doesn't have a place to live. He's wandering around camping in fields. He is relying on the kindness of others to feed himself. Remember, the disciples got in trouble for gleaning. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the first thing we have to, that people think is foolish is that. Number one, that the God of the universe would go, nope, I'm going to come down. Number two, what Mike just read about and talked about and discussed at length wonderfully, that we're all sinners and there's a wage of our sin. And that wage is death. And it's a spiritual death we're talking about, not a natural death, but a spiritual death. And that the third and really the final thing is that the God who decided to give up everything would willingly let himself be killed. And I'm going to send the most horrible, brutal fashion. I'm going to talk about it on the back end when I close about the cross being so much more than the physical torture. But if you really, if you really want, and you can disagree highly with Mel Gibson, you can give all the whatever to, to him for whatever craziness he's done, but his movie, the passion of Christ incredibly historically accurately depicted a crucifixion and scourging that Jesus endured. So the fact that a God would give everything up because he said, people have to suffer a spiritual death and be away from me, but I don't want them to do that. I want them to be with me. And so I'm going to provide a way to do that. And so I'm going to go subject myself to this horrible death, physical death. Once again, I want to circle back and visit this, but to let them have communion and fellowship with me, that's what makes it foolishness to most people. Because if you just run through all of that, it's three of the most illogical things you've ever heard of. And it and in that time frame, even in our in our logical time frame, there's zero way we affect we can believe that. In the ancient world where other faiths preached their gods were petty. I mean, most of the people in that area by then were Hellenistic. So the Greek gods were the gods you knew about. And they were depicted basically as powerful human beings who could be quite petty and stupid in a lot of ways. And so that was a way that Christians couldn't even begin to understand. And they couldn't understand Christians because of that. I'm glad you mentioned that because because one 
one thing you, you know you hear around as i always say the dormitories well well those people back in the first century they just bought this because they were gullible this this people found <laughs> this is crazy as 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 some as a lot of people do today yeah, in our and scientific world went down yeah. went down you know nobody nobody your god is 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 a is a crucified guide god come on you really i'm gonna believe that uh yeah it was it was met and and the fact that it's fact written here is that undoubtedly paul the corinthians have been hearing this oh you yeah. know why you know they're asking you know i i walk around and say this and people think i'm silly and and paul addresses it right here yeah because he kind of says it sounds to anybody who's who's stuck in a in a narrow materialistic, and I mean that in kind of the philosophical, you know, the here and now, there's nothing, there's nothing in this world other than what I can see and bang on uh, and hear, uh, that's going to be foolish. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I really think the fact that uh, being called foolish uh, in the scripture is... Uh, basically a play on how man is so short-sighted how and and i am particularly guilty of that uh when i was in high school i just wanted to get out <laughs> i was in the navy i actually just kind of wanted to get out of that too but you know uh college get done and but while we were there and in it it's the most important thing of our life. We're, we're so, we get so short-sighted. We get consumed by stuff, just <laughs> stuff. And th the thing about it is the cross, I think so many people just think that it's, it's just a story. You need to read that story. You need to feel that story, the emotions that are going on over a 10-day period. You, you couldn't put that in the script. You couldn't put that in the script and have people believe it. Steve Titch. Robert opened a, 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 a an avenue that's worth exploring uh, and uh, it also is brought up in Cross of Christ, and uh, that, of course, is is the the, the death on the cross. Um, and kind of there are obviously the death happened; Jesus died, but also there are there are reasons to believe scriptural reasons to believe that he experienced a a complete cut off from God, the kind of death that is talked about in the bible as in paul's the wages of sin is death that that something other than as christians we believe we die that's inevitable but but through our belief in in the cross and through the belief in our salvation we we move on to another more another joyous life of some form uh, with god and if we do not accept this gift we some would say it's hell and eternal fire. I would say it's it's cut off from God, which is, I think, the worst thing, even worse than worse than what we can imagine, any sort of physical torments of hell. But uh, 
what did, and, and this is the other important aspect of this cross, of the death on the cross, because Christ experiences something for us that we don't have to through, through his deliverance. And that is this complete cut off from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, well, well, that I, I, Robert's done some more thinking about this. So I want to go over to him. Well, <laughs> All professor. right. So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of blend a couple of scriptures together from Mark 15 and John 19 before I talk about that. So for, this is first part from Mark and there's really only one part from John. So at three in the afternoon, this is on Friday, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, 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 lama sabachthan, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, they said. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And then there's some other discussion about things that happened to the temple and curtain torn into symbolizing the opening of the Holy of Holies to everyone at that moment. But I want to focus, and, and Steve had mentioned this, and there is a huge part of me that says, and I mentioned briefly, the physical part of crucifixion, the scourging, the beating, the crown of thorns, you know, then being actually crucified and all of that. But I think at that moment, that moment when Jesus is crying out, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From the moment of the incarnation through Jesus's life, there had been an indelible connection with God. And, and we see this, the easiest place to see it, there's always these times where he's healing people, but there's this one story in particular. Jesus is walking down the street, crowds are pressing in, you know, screaming because they want to see the famous preacher from Nazareth. And Jesus just stops and he goes, who touched me? And the disciples love the disciples they're like seriously who touched you there's like thousands of people running around touching grammaring everybody's reaching out and you want to know who touched you sure jesus said no 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 i felt the power come leave me turns out a woman had touched the hem of his garment so like the trailing edge of his coat the easiest way to think about it in our, in our modern clothing terms and because she had faith in Jesus at that moment, she was healed. That connection he had granted him that power. Mike, again, eloquently put, God's holy nature prevents us and prevents God from being near any sin at all. So God had to turn his back on himself and that, that's really in contradiction, if you think about it, and more foolishness. But you have to understand and separate himself from Jesus, the earthly incarnation of himself. So that all of our sins, and I'm just going to run through a quick. So for each one of us, this is going to mean, you know, I'm going to assume none of us have murdered anybody at least. So all the times we've lied. All the times we have 
mentally cheated on our spouses, all the times we have lusted after a woman, all the little shortcuts we've taken at work, perhaps, all of the times we beat someone down. Oh, let's broaden it to everyone else. This will play into something Steve wants to bring up. So all of the people who rounded up the Jews and put them in the pens, in the camps during the Holocaust, all of the Spanish who were here at any given moment slaughtering the Aztecs and the Mayans, all of the guys over the last would it say half century just to make it easy who created the me too movement all the oh wait for it here comes the big one all the christian pastors who have bullied their flocks into believing false doctrines every sin that has ever taken place in mankind's world focuses on Jesus at that moment. I really believe the physical part of the crucifixion was like less than a tenth of what it endured. The physical part of the crucifixion was the part that was causing him to be unfocused for what was to come. And that was Satan's plan, and it was that. And I think that is one of the biggest pieces when we start thinking about the cross is to look at that particular part. Steve, Steve sent something in the English theologian, John Stott. Once again, Christ died our death when he died for our sins. That is to say, granted that his death and our sins are linked. The link is not merely that of consequence. He was the victim of our human brutality, but of penalty. He endured in his innocent person the penalty our sins had deserved. For according to scripture, death is related to sin as its just reward. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. The Bible everywhere views human death not as a natural, but as a penal event. Throughout scripture, then, death, both physical and spiritual, is seen as a divine judgment on human disobedience. And I think that is a place to start when you start thinking about even more of the foolishness of the cross. Bill? Excellent. Uh, and with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. Uh, this is our Holy Week podcast and we're talking of course about the cross 
and we've had some incredible discussion and Mike and professor uh, just went deep. The thing about it is with me, uh, and I just want to go ahead and throw this out there. I look at I look at the cross from start to finish, and I know and that was good that Steve brought up about how the Catholics, or maybe it was Professor, they have the crucifix that that has Jesus on the cross, and and for me, that's certainly. Uh, you know, part of that, that story, but that's not the whole story uh, to me. And so that's why I like when, as uh, Mike put out uh, all those, all the other scriptures and what we've been talking about this um, to me, it's the whole story. It's the whole transformation. And that's why uh, I said uh, earlier that, Really, the cross, in simplest terms, it, it's real, and it's time to grow up. And that's basically the way that um, I've always approached it. Steve? Well, yeah, the, we, we've been talking theology for a while, but really now the rubber hits the road is what? How, how are you as a believer or a Christian going to process this? And and I, we've got a broad audience some are 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 Christ, strong christians others may be exploring um but I, I think what i've come to learn and this is years this is you know i think i'm going on 30 years of of certainly being in in the evangelical camp so um you really it's more than just understanding this as a horrible death and it the essentially and, and this is going to be difficult it's another part of the foolishness there's nothing you can do but accept it and accept it in a in a in a totally contradictory way in a joyous way because a, a lot of a lot of this time of year you'll hear a lot of pastors talk about well this is like a getting your mortgage paid or your 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 school loans paid off all of a sudden a nice stamp our our, our youth pastor did last 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 year uh did a whole sermon on to tell a which is which is it is finished in aramaic which christ said on the cross to tell but that that the bible doesn't really put it into the context of tell to tell was stamped on a receipt in those days paid in full so this this is done for you. So what is your reaction to this? And you really, there's nothing you can do about it other than I think to let yourself be transformed by it, by by simply saying this happened, God, and and this is I think where the whole submission or obedience or my thy will not my will comes into play. Uh, Bill, you call it growing up or growing up in your faith. I I there's no way you can repay the cross <laughs> but right. you can allow it to change your life you can allow you can you can appropriate this gift and apply it like any other gift you see it as a gift you don't have to you know how many gifts do you have that you never opened or put on the shelf or used once uh this is a gift uh that you can that that really 
that you must take to yourself and allow it to change you. Because this is where you where you truly begin a reconciliation with God and a sanctification. I have seen my life change having done that over the course of all this time. I'm 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 different. I'm not the person I was, and I don't think the way I does. I it and in some ways it's subtle, but I also believe that all this time God has been leading me this way. One and last week I talked about you know God wherever you go God is going to offer you a path back. I think God offered me that path back, um, and I know that I am I I I know that I am a different person and you know a different attitude it's again it's subtle but i've changed and i haven't done anything about it except except you know confront and accept the cross well and that is, that is a great that's one thing i really like about this podcast we give a not, not only background and uh add color uh, and a man spin on things but practical applications where stuff actually worked. And, and I have an application for this. Uh, my wife uh, was a recovering Catholic uh, when I met her. And one of the first dates that we had is I took her to church. And then we went out to eat uh, after church. And there was a, a panhandler on the side of the road that I that I see on a regular basis and I empty out my change. And if I have a couple of bucks, I give them to him. And I always talk to him too. My wife had never done that before because she's a petite Latina. She was always scared of them. And she thought it was, it, it would harm her. It would hurt her. She became a, a church member <laughs> And now, now, all these years later, she is more forthcoming with the homeless than I am. She actually has little packets, money wrapped <laughs> up and sometimes Bible verses and stuff. And she is out there and it has, the cross has changed her. And I and I think in life, when you really believe, you'll be able to tell on how it has affected you. And with that, I want to get, get some more uh, feedback uh, from the fellas and maybe some takeaways. Uh, Michael Cropper. Uh, in Romans 1.20, God told us, in, in uh, through Paul, he told us that since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that those who do not believe him are in him are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him at God, nor were thankful, and they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God's wisdom is all around us, folks. Um, you've heard little expressions such as a, a, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Let me say, do not judge somebody just because they sin differently from you. That's a little bit more on the uh, the playing field of, of, of us sins. But 
you've heard these other expressions, two wrongs don't make a right. Actions speak louder than words. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. What I'm getting at, folks, is, is the wisdom of God is in just about everything we see, we do. It's all around us. A uh, man who has not accepted Christ can still have God's wisdom. As I read in Romans here, it's not a matter of whether or not you're smart or not. It's whether or not you give the glory to God, whether or not you honor him and, and thank him for what he has given, it, given you. I have mentioned a few times that I grew up attending Baptist Temple in the Heights. Uh, we were a large church and there were a lot of young people. I had very few good friends who were, uh, pardon me, I had a very good friend who was instrumental in getting me to play guitar. I was playing in different rock groups during my high school days and I did not feel that I could become a Christian and continue my pursuit as a Christian. Uh, I could, and uh, pardon me, as a, a rock band, a member of a rock band. So. While I was at the church, many, many times a pastor would preach, and at the end of the, the preaching, he would give us an opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. Well, I felt the tug of the Holy Spirit to seek a righteous life with Christ. I did believe in Christ, even when I did not follow him. And I even prayed often, but I sensed that there was a deeper walk God wanted from me. But I was afraid that if I if I follow that walk or took that walk with Christ, I'd have to give up all my freedom and especially all the fun in life. When I finally did choose to follow Christ and invite him in my heart, I experienced the most amazing relief. So why should why should you believe in Christ and not other religion? Well, let me mention a few things here. Much of the world does not believe in Jesus, although many people do believe in other religions which give them hope of eternal life. Some religions say that you're born again, and again, and again, and again. This is called reincarnation, and your new self could be a person or it could be an animal. Okay. In our podcast today, Steve has talked about, about how accepting Christ and following Christ, it has changed his life. I'm going to tell you, it changed my life. In fact, every year I continue to follow Christ, and even... Every time we do a podcast, I'm a little bit closer to Christ, usually. I, I can see a maturing in myself over the years as we all seek to know more about him and to, to be better Christians. Now, Dan Leoy wrote something a short into our scripture text we use today and that Bill read. And again, my, my point of, the, of the, the podcast was the fact that, that God's... That, the cross itself is foolishness and not logical to man. So Danny Eloy wrote this comment about it in his intro to our scripture. He said, religiousists or zealots in religion and sophists, which, who are teachers uh, who teach the art of arguing, consider the teaching about Jesus' death and resurrection to be utter nonsense. Yet God uses the message of the cross to annihilate their erudition or knowledge of the worldly wise, and he uses it to thwart the understanding of those who imagine themselves to be clever. The idea that one would worship the death of a person on a cross as a sacrifice to God is utterly repulsive to philosophers, scribes, Pharisees, and debaters. Uh, and regardless of whether these people are young, old, rich or poor, powerful or weak, famous or unknown, Everyone must trust in Christ for salvation. Steve aptly said this a while ago. 
Moreover, they must rely on the Holy Spirit for insight and understanding into the will of his Father and our Father. So I want to say this. Man is on a level playing field with the cross. You cannot argue your way into heaven. You cannot buy a get-out-of-jail pass to atone for your sin. You cannot work your way into heaven by doing good things for people, and you cannot ask St. Peter for favor to let you proceed past the pearly gates when you arrive. However, you can obtain eternal life if you do the following steps, and I just want to listen real carefully. If you have not accepted Christ, believe that God loves you. Believe that you have sinned, and you need God's help to be forgiven, Romans 3.23. Believe that the wages of your sin is death, and God's gift is eternal life, Romans 6.23. And ask God to forgive your sin and tell him that you will stop sinning. This is called repenting. And believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and that he died for your sin. And ask him to come into your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, if you have trouble believing these things are true, but you want to do it, then speak these things out loud and ask God to show you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I can tell you, like Steve, like Robert, like Bill, it has been a direction of life for me, and I would never change it. It is a great testimony that I'm free, I'm able to choose my life, and Christ lives in my heart, and the Holy Spirit lives in me and guides me. Bill? Excellent. Uh, professor? Well, Mike just had the mic drop moment of the night. So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but with that, I'm just going to end it with this, and I guarantee everyone's going to recognize this. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. It's a shame and reproach gladly I bear. Then he'll call me home someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. And I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. And I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. All of human history converges at Easter. It starts on Good Friday and it ends with the statement, he is risen. And as Mike said, all that punishment that I talked about, it is free and open to all, but it's not granted to all. The acceptance of Christ is the only way through. And God made a path for us. And as Mike described it, it's the way for us to do it. So celebrate Easter this year with your family and remember that that sacrifice paid away for all of us to engage and have that life. Bill? Excellent. And if you didn't recognize that, that's from the hymn, Old Rugged Cross, that was written by a Methodist minister and per first performed at a small church in Pokagon, Michigan. Thank you very little. Steve I like that. I like that. That's interesting. <laughs> Pahoka, Michigan. Pahoka, Nothing much. Was that down the street? 
Where you it were, is down the I'm in Iowa. <laughs> from, from where I lived, absolutely. I've stopped there many times. It's a little museum. Were, were now. you were you there? Were you there when in that first time it was done? Well, uh, I would have oh. been uh, a negative, negative 150. Oh, okay. uh, it, I think it was. It, I think uh, it was in like 1840s or something that it was done there, something like that. Uh, I, Anyways. I, I, I haven't got much to add other than happy Easter. Happy Easter for all of us. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Thanks so much for tuning in to No Church Answers. And once again, thanks so much for our sponsors and supporters. And on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, my name is Bill Cox. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. So please rate the podcast leave a review and if you have a question or comment you can go to our facebook page or notechurchanswers.com and post it there and if you are unable to attend a church check out sugarland baptist church streaming service it's on facebook youtube sugarlandbaptist.org starts sundays at 9 45 a.m and when you are ready we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class so you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. If there is one, start one. This is No Church Answers. Happy Easter. You've been listening to No Church Answers the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 